welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. Now, I know some of you that are tuned in, maybe you haven't seen any of the other talks that we've done on revival, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, what exactly is revival? The, the best way I can summarize and give you a word picture of revival is to give you a story of something that happened uh, to my family not too long ago. Uh, you know, I have three kids. Many of you know that already. And, and so very often we'll go somewhere out of town for vacation. And so we're all kind of huddled up in one hotel room. And uh, there was a, a time that uh, right in the middle of the night, I heard a noise. And it was loud enough that it woke me out of my like deep sleep. And I just like sprang up. And then as I looked to the, the hotel door, it looked like it was cracked open, like somebody was coming in to our hotel room. And with the deepest voice I could drum up because, you know, I, I did not have a gun. I didn't have anything. So I had my voice and I have a great loud voice. And so I go, hey, you get out of here as loud as I could. I mean, my other family members, they woke up and then I heard this little small faint voice go dad it's just me it was my daughter Kylie who had gotten up to use restroom and I didn't know that all I heard was the door shutting to the restroom and that's what woke me up and then she thought I was yelling at her man we were just laughing probably for the next 30 minutes it was like in the middle of the night and the reason I give you that story is just to kind of give you a word picture of what revival really is it's an awakening. It's, it's taking you out of the slumber, the sleep that you're in, and reviving you and awakening you so that you can be fully present and fully attentive to the things that God is doing with you, with your family, with your community, with your nation, with your world. So when we talk about revival, we're talking about just that, an awakening. And before we are to expect a revival out there, we have to embrace for a revival in here. And this is what this whole series is about. We're looking at the book of Nehemiah because no other book of the Bible gives us such a clear understanding of the essence of what it takes for a revival to happen than the book of Nehemiah. So the second part of Nehemiah gives us these conditions that make it ripe for a revival to take place. We've talked already about the renewal in the word of God. We've talked about the renewal in worship. And today we're gonna be talking about the final condition that we see in the book of Nehemiah and that we need to embrace in order for us to also experience that revival that God wants to bring in our life, and that is the renewal of values, the renewal of values. I want to take you back to a scripture that we covered last week at the very end of the message, and it's found in the chapter uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 38, 
It says, in view of all of this, this is talking about they were worshiping God, they were, they were talking to God uh, in chapter 9. It says, in view of all this, we're making a binding agreement, putting it in writing. So they were taking the word of God and the worship of God, and they were saying, we're going to take this to the next level, and we're actually going to sign our name to it. We are going to put our name on this thing and we're going to make a vow. We are going to make a declaration of dependence on God. Now, God didn't ask him to do this. It was, it was never in any revelation from Ezra the priest or any other leader at that moment to sign the dotted line of this agreement, but they were so compelled that, that they wanted to renew their values. They, they wanted to get back to a place where they lived out the life that God wanted them to live. And, and so this is all new to them. They didn't really have a value system in place. And so when they're reading the word of God and they're hearing that God has a clear value system that he wants them to follow, they were like, we're totally in. It's been like four generations that have passed since they've really had that value system of God put in place. And even then, it was very flawed and very broken. And now it's like it's been so far removed from their culture, this is all brand new. So there was a renewal of the vows uh, and uh, the values, and they were signing their name. Like we would like go in and make a deal for a car or a house or whatever, buying stuff. You're signing the dotted line saying, I agree that I'm going to abide by this. You go to a computer program and you're downloading the software, you click on the button, I agree to this. This is virtually what they're doing. Now, I want to fast forward to chapter 10 because this is kind of where it starts really getting good. In verse 28, 29, it says, the rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands all the regulations and decrees of the Lord our God. Now, we know about uh, regulations, don't we? Especially in 2020, the guidelines, the ordinances, no matter where you go, if you go to a restaurant, uh, if you go to church, like there's guidelines, there's ordinances, there's regulations that, that you have to abide by. Well, God's word has these ordinances, regulations, and guidelines for us to follow in order for us to experience the blessing that he wants us to experience in this life. And so they, the Israelites are saying, we're going to go back to that and we're renewing ourselves to God's value system. And that ends, chapter 10 ends by saying, and we will not neglect the house of our God. So, so they go through all of this extensive list in chapter 10, like going back and reviewing, like we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And it ends by saying, and definitely we're not going to neglect the house of of God. They were renovating their value system. Now, I want to talk this morning about core values because 
you know, especially around election time, you hear a lot about values. But I want to talk specifically about core values because what we're reading in Nehemiah 9 and 10 is we're reading this renewal back to the core values of what made the people of God godly. And so core values can be easily defined as this. They are the root beliefs that a person or organization operates from. They are the foundational principles that guide a person's decisions and behaviors. So the decisions that you make are made out of the core values that you possess. So you, you might want to look at it as core values are your like internal GPS. It's, it's what's guiding your life and your decision making. Columbia researcher Sheena uh, Ignar has found that the average person makes about 70 conscience decisions every day. That's 25,500 decisions a year. Over 70 years, that's 1,788,500 decisions. Now, Albert Camus said, life is a sum of all of your choices. And you put all those 1,788,500 choices together, and they really create who you are. So you, you can go and you could define your core values and, and just, you know, kind of, and that's what we're going to be doing this morning, by the way. Or if, if I were to just evaluate your life and you wanted me to say, hey, what are my core values? All I have to do is study the decisions that you've made over the last year and I could pretty much be spot on on what your core values are because your core values determine how you make the decisions in your life. And so all I have to do is track your decision making and I will be able to come up with what core values make up your life, that the root belief system that you have. And so what this is, Nehemiah, it's a renewing of the core values that God is calling them to live with. So as we talk about revival, one thing I wanna make a note, and, and this is so important for Nehemiah and the revival that they're experiencing, revival will always cost you something. It's always gonna cost you something. And for them, it was laying down their own desires and their own ambitions to pursue God's desires and God's ambitions. And we don't like things to cost us anything, right? We like free, free's the best. We want the blessing of the revival without the sacrifice that it takes. Just like we want the trophy without winning, we want the gains without lifting, we want the benefits without having to actually work for them. But that's not how revival works. If you want revival to take place in your life, it's going to cost you something. And for the Israelites, they signed the dotted line and they said, we're gonna pursue God's desires and God's ambitions over ours. So it was costing them their own selfish pursuits for the pursuit of God and what God wanted. Now, let's put a pin in that and I wanna fast forward to the New Testament and talk about Jesus. Because just as Nehemiah came on scene when the value system of Israel had collapsed, Jesus comes on the scene not when the value system had collapsed as much as the value system had been corrupted. God's value system for the people of Israel when Jesus shows up was still in place and the people of God, especially the, the religious leaders and the, the professional religious people called the Pharisees, they had almost like... Uh, 
took it upon themselves to perfect the law. And so they created a lot of laws within the laws. And, you know, like you have, you know, uh, uh, ordinance one, and they would create uh, ordinance one, subordinate A, B, C, D, and E. So when Jesus comes on scene, the Jewish people have all of these laws and ordinances and things that they're, they're supposed to follow, over 600 of them. So when Jesus comes on scene and he starts talking to the people, it was, it was just like perfect timing that, that the Messiah could have come because the people had fallen victim, not to a collapse of value system, but the corruption of the value system. And Jesus was there to, just like Nehemiah, helped bring renewal to their value system. Jesus came to bring renewal to the value system of the people of first century Palestine. And what happens is uh, the value system that was in place with the Jewish people were a lot of do's and don'ts. And I talked to a lot of unchurched people, people that have maybe been to church or used to go to church on a regular basis and they've stopped going to church. And you know what I hear so much from people is like, I, I love Jesus, but it's all the do's and don'ts, especially the don'ts. It's just very legalistic and it turns people off. And what's so interesting to me, as you study the life of Jesus, when Jesus comes to this world and he brings this renewal of the value system of the kingdom of God, he really doesn't spend a lot of time on the don'ts. He really doesn't. He, he does talk about some don'ts, but almost entirely all his messages, all the things that he's doing are focused on the do's. And what I've learned as a follower of Jesus, the more that you're focused on the do's, the less focused you have to be on the don'ts. Because if you're doing all of the do's that you're supposed to do, then you really don't have an issue and a struggle with keeping yourself away from the don'ts. You will naturally be pushed away from the don'ts the more that you're in the do's. I know it sounds confusing, but I wanna talk about this because some of you, when I talk about a value system, it's just like deer in the headlights. You're like, I really haven't ever thought about this. And this is so important for your faith. This is so important for your relationship with God. And this is so important for your own personal revival to take place, to take a value system inventory. And the best way we can do that is to look at Jesus's value system that he endorsed and that he taught about and that he lived out himself. So Jesus's value system, I call it living Jesus style. To, to be Jesus style, it's all about the do's. And, and if you think about his teaching, you think about how he lived his life, there was a lot of do's. For instance, do love. How much of his teaching was focused on love? Love for God, love for people. He, he, was, he was telling people all the time, you know, uh, love others the, the way I've loved you, he says in John 13. Uh, love is a primary value of the kingdom that Jesus taught when he was here on the earth. He says, if you want to live out the, the value system that, that God has instilled on this planet through me, then do love. Here's another one, do serve. <laughs> don't, don't worry about the don'ts, do serve. Like if, if you want to really live out a kingdom value system, find somebody that has a need and serve them. Uh, do forgive. 
He talked about forgiveness so much. So much of his teaching, his parables, were about forgiveness. And and I'm not saying this as as in it it's like easy to forgive. I'm just I'm trying to get across to you today that are watching this, like God has a value system he desires us to follow, and part of his value system is forgiveness, rooted in in the foundation of how we make our decisions is this idea of forgiveness. And I will give you one example recently, and some of you guys can relate to this. Uh, I was, I don't know, it was in the evening time, and I got a text from this person I know, and I don't know if this has ever happened. I've been guilty of doing this myself, by the way, but this person texted me accidentally. The, the, the text message was supposed to go to somebody else but they accidentally sent it to me. And what was awkward about this, the text was about me. And it, and it was it was saying some unkind things about me. And this is a friend of mine. And I was so hurt. At first I like read it and I was like, I don't even understand. Like, what does this mean? And then it was like, the more I read it, the more I was realizing, like, he didn't mean to send this to me, but it came to me. And about 30 minutes later, that friend of mine called me and he said, you know what, bro, I have to fall on my sword. And, and I have to admit that I, I was not right in saying that. Uh, I should have never said that. Uh, let me put it in context, but that doesn't excuse it. Please forgive me. Now, because forgiveness is a core value of the kingdom of God and the heart of Jim Cruz, I forgave him on the spot. As soon as he said, I just, I didn't even think about it anymore. Just, I, I just completely dismissed it. And I haven't thought about it really after that. It, it's, it's amazing when you have a core value like that, how it can just make your life better. If not, if you, if you don't have forgiveness there, it can make your life bitter. Come on, somebody. You know that's true. So forgiveness is a big part. Do heal. How many times do we see Jesus going out there and seeing something broken or someone uh, wounded or, or sick or diseased? He goes and he heals. And that's a kingdom value. Do heal. You see a hurt, you see a sickness, then you bring healing. Healing through your words, healing through your touch, healing through prayer. Uh, and that's the next one. Do pray. Jesus taught about prayer. He, he demonstrated a, an active prayer life, so do pray. Do share. Share your faith. Uh, share your experiences. Uh, uh, share what you have, what you own. Like sharing is a major kingdom value that Jesus put on display through his words and through his lifestyle. So where I'm going with this, you can see that if, if you put your value system completely on the do's, it completely gets the focus away from the don'ts. The, the very thing that polarizes people against the church, we really don't have to promote the don'ts. We have to, as people of God, just be more faithful in doing the do's. Now, honestly, it should be a red flag warning to any of you that are part of a church or a group that puts more emphasis on the don'ts than they do on the do's. That, that's a red flag because they're not doing the do, so they have to be more vocal about the don'ts. And in reality, if we are faithful to do the do's, 
we won't have to be so emphasizing the don'ts. I really hope that makes sense. I know it's a lot of do's and don'ts, but when you choose to follow Jesus, you, you are choosing to follow his value system. When you choose to follow Jesus, you are choosing to follow his value system. God's values become your values. That, that's what it means when, when you're saying, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. When, when I gave my life to God, I entered a whole new world where, where now I have a whole new value system kind of causing me to, to be able to make decisions and, and you know, waking me up to the reality of all of the things that, that God wants me to be paying attention to. Uh, but, but here's the rub. I, I guess here's the tension. Uh, we're we're in, a, in a collision course living this way, but still being actively a part of our world because the majority of people are not going to be living their life or, or having an active value system based upon Jesus or the word of God. They're not. And so if you're gonna choose to live with this renewed value system that's completely Jesus's value system on the word of God, then there's gonna be tension, there's gonna be friction because the majority of people in this world are gonna be living opposite this. And then you're going to be faced with another decision. Do I go with the flow or do I make a stand in the value system that I know I'm going to have? The value system that that Jesus lived out ended up taking him to the cross and had him crucified. Because even the religious system that was corrupted could not handle the uncorrupted value system of God. And it ended up putting Jesus on the cross. So the intentional living God's value system will put you at odds with the world that does not want to live with biblical, godly, Jesus-style values. It's gonna, it's gonna create friction. It's gonna create hostility. Uh, think about it. Culture says self is the most important. I mean, think about it. Everything revolves around self. In God's kingdom, God's value system, it's God number one, and then others number two, and then yourself last. Matter of fact, I'll give you something that's not on my notes. Do you wanna have true joy in your life? Then put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last, J-O-Y. You're welcome, all right. <laughs> so I, I'm, I wanna take you to Luke chapter 14 because remember when I told you a second ago that Revival is going to cost you something. Even Jesus said this. So when you're living intentionally the value system of Jesus, I call it living Jesus style, it's, it's going to cost you something. That's putting you at odds with the world system that is self-centered instead of God-centered. And so Jesus had this huge following and, and he kind of addresses this. He talks about this. Luke 14 Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not have, or does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. 
won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the salt soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, I could, I could dive deep into this text because there is a lot of rich first century undertones to really get a, a very full picture of what Jesus is saying you, you've got to dive into, the Jewish culture, first century culture. But we're, we're going to keep it really basic for the sake of time right now. So Jesus is telling this large crowd that had gathered around. Remember, he's the, he's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. So, so he is the personification of everything that God stands for. And of course, he's attracting a crowd. He's got this huge crowd around him. Now, Jesus had a tendency when he had the largest crowds to say the strangest things, to thin the crowds out. So he looks around and the text says, that he, it starts off by saying there's a huge, large crowd around him and it goes right to the core to try to thin the crowd out. He's saying, there are some of you that are following me that you're not really a follower, you're more like a fan. You're more in the stadium bleachers and you're rah, 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 you, you, you wanna see me do my next performance. But I, I want to talk to you about what it means to really follow me. That's what a disciple is. It's a follower. It's a pupil. It's a learner. So Jesus says, I'm not after a fan base. I, I'm after true, authentic people that want to change their life and align their life and, and live life the way I'm living life. That, that's who I really am wanting to invest my time in. And so, so he gives this kind of analogy of these, this builder that's kind of assessing it and, and this uh, general that's kind of looking over the, the things that, that he's coming against with his enemy. And he's saying, you've got to count the cost. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you, if you don't want to pay anything, if you just want a free ride, you're, you're not going to be able to be my disciple. It's going to cost you something to follow me. And I want you to consider it because I, I don't want this, this unsalty following. I, my followers are salty. In the gospel of Matthew chapter five, he says, you're the light of the world. You're salt of the earth. That's what he called his disciples. And so here he's bringing the analogy home and he's saying, hey, I don't want a bunch of unsalty people that are claiming to be a part of my discipleship. Like my disciples, they're salty. In other words, they, they are people that are living their life so differently, they're making an impact on their world. You know, saltiness in first century Palestine, this is some, some good facts for you. Uh, they use salt, not the way we use salt. They use salt in, in this very pure natural form. A lot of the reeds around the, uh, the Dead Sea, they would collect them and they would use them to bring uh, 
preservation and uh, preservatives on the food. So it would kind of slow down the decay of some of the meats they were eating or whatever was in the house. They would, they would use the salt and rub the salt on it to, to stop or slow the decay of whatever it is uh, that they were going to eat. Uh, it was also used as a healing agent. So if there was a, a wound or an infection, they would put salt on it and the salt would kind of get into the wound and help clean out all of the, the, the impure substances that would you know, make your body prone to infection. And then it was also used as a taste enhancer, just like we use salt today. We still use salt like that. It, it, it was used on food items to make things taste better. So when something would lose its saltiness, say, let's say a reed that they were using, eventually just lost its saltiness. A lot of times they would take that, those reeds, and they would throw it on top of the roof and, and it would be trampled on. It, would, it, it wouldn't be you know, worth anything anymore. So that's how they would, they would take it once it lost its saltiness. So Jesus is saying, my disciples, they're gonna be salty. My disciples, when they're living out my value system that I'm teaching, when they're living Jesus style, when, when they're focusing on all these do's, then what's gonna happen? They're gonna be preservatives. They're gonna slow down the decay. So if you, if you just follow every impulse and every desire, you know that it messes things up, it damages relationships, it, it actually destroys your health. And so there is a decay that happens when we just let sin run wild in our life. So all of a sudden, Jesus is guiding our life and, and he is setting our value system. And so we're, we're not following our sinful desires anymore. We're following God's desires. And guess what? We're slowing down the decaying process, not just for us, now for our families, for our community. We're making a, a difference. We're slowing the decay. We're a preservative. Jesus' followers also, guess what? They're healing agents. There's wounds out there. There's, there's sickness out there. Sickness in, in, you know, mentally and emotionally. And we as followers of Jesus, we have the healing agent called heaven with us and we're depositing heaven into these wounds. We're depositing heaven into these sicknesses uh, that, that people are going through, these hurts and these, these things that, that they're dealing with. And we come in and we give them an encouraging word. We come in and we pray over them. And what are we doing? We're bringing healing to hurting situations. And then we as followers of Jesus, when we're living Jesus style, we're taste enhancers. When we walk in a room, our kindness, our love, our genuine concern and compassion, it's changing the atmosphere. We're actually letting that space taste better because we were there. When we're living Jesus style, when we are following Jesus to where he is impacting our value system, I'm telling you, your life is going to be salty. You know, this isn't the, the same salt that Jesus is talking about, but th this is, when, when you're living your life, just think about this. You're living with this, making this difference in your life and you're spreading that saltiness everywhere you go, this is how we are to live our lives. Now, I wanna circle back and talk about the core values because you know I mentioned a lot of the do's, but when you're living out this idea and you're staying salty, uh, you stay salty by living out Jesus-style core values. So if I can summarize the core values using the, the core values that we follow as a church, like everything we do, all the decisions we make as a church are based on four core values. And I believe 
this isn't just good for Atmosphere Church. This is good for your life. So if you're looking like really establishing and writing out and being very intentional, saying, what are the core values? As I'm looking at renewing my values, I I would encourage you to write these four down and to make these a part of the core values that make up you. So let's talk about these real quickly. Number one is love God. It's pretty uh, self-explanatory. You love God. You, You make loving God a core value of your life. What does that mean? You wake up early, you open the Bible, you read it, you study it, you get to know God, you, you put on some worship music, you're, you're uh, making time with God, taking communion, uh, you're going to Bible study, you're uh, going to church and, and you're being active in your church community and serving and, and being active to do things for God and his kingdom. That's loving God. So number two is loving people. So even Jesus said, you know, if you want to summarize all 600 plus commandments, then it it really comes down to this, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first, and that is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So in those two, really, you can fulfill all the laws and what the law's intentions were. So if you love God, you love people. What does it mean to love people? Just like go around and say, I love you. No, you know, that's, I mean, that could be part of it, but loving people is serving people. It's giving to people, just like we were doing on our serve day, just random acts of kindness going out of your way. If you see a need, you feel it. If you see a hurt, you heal it. That, that's, that is actively loving people. We take Isaiah 58 and we implement it as part of our core value of loving people and say, hey, we have a desire. Any hurting, marginalized people, we feel that God says, you give yourself over to those people and I will give myself over to you. So loving people includes those that are marginalized, those that may be in poverty, those that don't have a lot. And so at Atmosphere Church, we make that a huge priority for us as a church to take care of the poor, the hurting, and the needy, and the marginalized. So number three, write this down, pursue excellence. You might think, well, how, how is that a core value? Well, Jesus lived an excellent life. Listen to what he says in Mark 7, verse 37. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. So Jesus lived out this amazing life that other people said he does everything well. So we as a church, whatever we do, we want to do it really, really well because that is a core value of Jesus's life and we want to make that a core value of us as a church that everything we do as a ministry we want it to be done well we want it to be done with excellence and we believe that is a core value no, no matter what it is and for you personally that's that's you're going to you're going to pursue excellence as as being a mom being a wife being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a worker, being an employer. You're going to do it with excellence. Being a a servant, a volunteer at your church, you're going to do it with excellence. And and to me, excellence is going above and beyond what is being asked of you. Let me ask you a question. Last time in one of those categories, when did you go above and beyond what you were being asked to do? That's excellence. Okay, number four is choose joy. Oh man, I I talk about this a lot because... (laughs) You know, I consider myself a joyful person, not because I'm always feeling joyful, because I choose to be joyful. This is, uh, you know, throughout the New Testament, this is a, a core value of being a 
follower of Jesus is you, you choose joy. It's joy is an attitude that you choose, not a feeling that you have. So you, you choose joy and then your feelings will follow the, the, the choice, not the other way around. And so some of you have been depressed. You, you've been in the molly grubs, I call it. You, you've been just down on yourself. You, you haven't been experiencing joy. Hey, snap out of it by saying, I'm gonna choose to have a different attitude. Even though my circumstances are terrible, even though things haven't worked out the way I wanted, wanted them to, and I'm suffering from a lot of disappointment, regardless, nonetheless, that doesn't change the character of God. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. So I'm gonna choose, based on the fact that God is greater than my circumstances, I'm gonna choose joy, because God always has the final word in my life. God always says the final word in your life as a follower of Jesus. So, hey, be joyful because there's always a blessing in every bummer. That's a word for somebody watching this morning. There's a blessing in every bummer. You're going through a bummer right now. I'm telling you, a blessing's coming out of that bummer. I know that you may not be able to see it now, but maybe in a year or two years, we'll talk about it. And you say, yep, there was the blessing. I, I had no idea at the time. It was pretty terrible when I was going through it, but I got through it. Choose joy. So these are just four core values we have as a church that we want to encourage you and commend you to maybe adopt personally, maybe even as a family. So the core values help you make decision-making, but here's the question. What do you do with really specific things that maybe the Bible is not really clear about, you know, when we're talking about value system. And a lot of times when you hear people talk about this, they call it the gray areas of like how you're to live your life, like lifestyle gray areas. And I really, after following Jesus for 30 years, I put every gray area to a three question test to determine how I should handle that situation that's in front of me. So I'm gonna put these up on the lower thirds there. Number one is, is it honoring to God? This thing that is presented to me, is it honoring to God? If it's not, if, if it's not helping me actually move closer to God, if it's actually moving me away from God, then, then clearly I should not do that. Clearly, I should walk away from that. But if it's actually going to honor God and actually me, move me toward God, absolutely I should do that. Absolutely, that should be a part of my life. Here's the second question. Is it a stumbling block for others? Because a lot of times we're trying to determine like, man, is this right for my life? You know, is this a good value that I should have? Hey, what about other people around you? You parents out there, how, how you making that decision, what impact is that going to make on your kids watching you make that decision. You know, as a pastor, there are certain rights and, and things I have just like you do, you know, because, you know, I, I live, I'm an American just like you are, but I have given up some of my rights for the sake of somebody else out there that might be struggling with something that I'm thinking that's probably not good. You know, when we first started our church in Vegas, I had no problem with gambling. I would go, I, I would hit the slot machines and some of you are judging me right now, but I just, I had, I had zero conviction about it and I was going there and we were doing, we were, uh, you know, having church and the more that we got to know the local people, the more that my father-in-law who was uh, also pastoring the church there, the more we realized this is a problem with people that live in Vegas and we were going over there just telling everyone, yeah, we, you know, we went to slot machines and then we realized 
that this isn't good. Like this was making a statement uh, for the people that were living there that were actually stumbling, like, you know, struggling with, with gambling. So we made a vow at that point to say this, even though we don't have a personal problem with this, the fact that other people around us struggle with this, we're going for their sake, say no to it. And, and that could go for all kinds of other things besides gambling. That could go for drinking alcohol. Yeah, you have a right to drink alcohol. You know, the Bible says don't get drunk, but you have a right to do it. But what kind of impression could that leave on other people? Could that be a stumbling block with you drinking alcohol? Just just kind of uh, analyze it. Here's the third one. Is there any internal conviction about it? So when you are born again, the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. So he's there. He's, he's helping you determine. And this is, the, this is the great news about having a value system because before, like in the Old Testament with Nehemiah, man, they just had to sign the dotted line and they just had to hope for the best and just you know pray that they would stay strong. Now we have a helper living inside of us that is going to give us the strength to abide by this value system system that not only we want to live and hope to live that God wants us to live so the Holy Spirit's in there helping us and so anytime we're veering off the path you get the warning light in the dashboard saying "Eh, eh, eh, don't go that way maybe there's nothing clearly you know showing us like this is bad but we just have that gut check like I shouldn't do that I shouldn't go there I shouldn't be around this person so what is the internal conviction that you're feeling because chances are if you're born again the Holy Spirit's living in you you're feeling this, what's called conviction. And once you feel that conviction, you gotta obey that conviction or else the Bible calls it sin. If you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, that's called sin. So we are called, bottom line, to be salty. So as, as we think about this idea, how is your life maintaining the saltiness? Because if we want to experience true revival personally, then we have to take an inventory of how we're doing with our value system. And if you want to experience the revival that God wants you to have and that you maybe desire to have, then it's being renewed in God's word, renewed in worship, and renewed in a value system. And I'm telling you, my friend, it's gonna be so incredible. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.